Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Laura, for ministering in music. In light of the message of that song, you know, being able to rest, Christianity is a relationship of rest, resting in Christ, resting in what he has done, not trying and so on, but simply resting. And Lord willing, next week, we wrap up a discussion on worldviews. We'll talk about Christ, various worldviews and how they view Christ and what we have in Christ and the fact that we can rest in him. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that the cross provides a relationship with you. Grateful that through the cross we have forgiveness, we have redemption, we've been declared righteous. We've been adopted along with many other items. We thank you too that you've given us your spirit to live within us, to work within us, and given us also your word. We want to be sensitive to your working in us this morning, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Imagine that you are talking to a coworker. And the issue of pain and suffering comes up because the boss is in the hospital. Your coworker asks you with deep sincerity this question Why is there so much pain and suffering in our world? Why is there so much pain and suffering in our world? How would you respond? We're discussing worldviews in light of answering the questions, can we trust God, can we trust Scripture, can we trust Christ? How do we make sense of our world? We looked at some passages in Genesis. We looked at Hebrews 11. We looked at 1 Peter 3 and some related passages. Last week and this morning and next week, we're looking at some applications of how Scripture looks and fits into the world in which we live. So we'll be looking at several passages this morning, but we won't zero in on one passage long term. Rather, we're looking at how does the, or how do the passages we looked at in previous weeks fit into the present, looking at trying to train ourselves in righteousness, how to live in our world today. There are basically... Four worldviews, and I'm not being hard and fast, but four basic worldviews that we touched on last week. Just very briefly respond to them. Naturalism, basically the belief that natural causes alone are sufficient to explain everything that exists. The ultimate reality is material. The physical universe is all that there is. Transcendentalism ties in with the Eastern religions, but very, very strong in our country sees the world as spiritual or a psychic oneness. God is everything or in everything. God is not personal, being impersonal. That provides direction and guidance for life. And they would take away Romans 1, the view of human depravity, and have a positive slant on human condition. Islam, Allah, is transcendent and relatively impersonal. They do not believe in a trinity. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is a prophet of Allah. 
Christ was a man, they would say. Below Muhammad in importance, not the son of God. And then he he did not die, nor did he rise from the dead. The Quran is Allah's final word to mankind. Then a fourth worldview is Christianity. The living, personal God made himself known. Revelation is central. Revealed himself in creation, Christ, and Scripture. Each worldview will answer questions in a different way. And how those questions are answered makes a big, big difference in how one lives. There's a man that he has passed into eternity at this point in time, had an Eastern worldview. He was adopted and had a passion to know his biological parents, but that did not become a reality. Traveled to India numerous times in his life to become familiar with what we would call Eastern religions. Very demanding. It had to be his way. Very controlling. He basically was an authority to himself and rejected authority. Did not admit wrong. He was an owner of a company, but did not admit wrong. Because of his worldview, he was a vegetarian, a very strict vegetarian. Very, very hurtful to his employees. The deeper he went into transcendentalism, the more the above items became real in his life. His worldview basically made him. And how he lived and how he responded. And the reason I can say those items with confidence is because I read a biography of him and how he lived and how he responded. Our worldview makes a difference. So the question, why is there death, pain, and suffering? Naturalism would say it's tied in with creative force. Transcendentalism would say death, pain, and suffering are all an illusion. That one's kind of hard to swallow, isn't it? But that's what they would say. Islam would say it's due to moral weakness. Biblically, we would say the result of rebellion and sin, and it goes back to Genesis chapter 2. Just listen if you want to follow along, you can. But in Genesis 2, as God created the universe, he said to Adam, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Introduces obedience. If you don't obey, he says you'll surely die. We know that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. And in Genesis 3, to Adam, he, the Lord said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, 
and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And then in verse 5 of Genesis 5, it says, Altogether Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. And it goes on to mention other people who died, but it goes back to sin and rebellion against God. It makes a difference in what we think about pain, death, and suffering, and why it came as to how we live. Think about death. How many people really fear death? I'm amazed at how many people don't even like hospitals. They don't want to be around sickness. Then there's other people who go through death very calmly. They anticipate it in the sense that they're going to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. They accept the suffering and trials that they go through as part of living in a broken world, and they rest in Christ. And it goes back again to worldview, what we believe. There's quite a bit of frustration in our country today. There's always been a degree, but it seems to be a fair amount today. And part of it goes back to our worldview. Biblically, we recognize that pain and suffering and death is an enemy, and it won't be conquered until the future. So in the present, we accept it as part of life. So this week I was talking to a guy uh, turning 65 soon, and, you know, you got to go to Medicare and all that other stuff, and those of you who are older know that. And he asked me about my health. He said, you look like a picture of health. Well, I said, I've been through 30-some years of some difficulty, and, you know, we shared a little bit more. But that difficulty is not difficulty in the sense that it is for those that have a different worldview because of Christ. Our worldview makes a difference in how we live, how we respond. What is death? What happens when I die? Death and naturalism is just basically extinction. You, you cease to exist. Transcendentalism is reincarnation. And you will find that in countries where certain religions, transcendentalism is present, they do not kill animals. That creates poverty. And their fear is that if we kill a cow, that might be my great-grandfather reincarnated. Can't kill a rat because that might be someone reincarnated. So you live well in the lot that you have in life so that you can back, hopefully, better next time around. Worldview. Islam would say, wait for judgment. You're resurrected on the last day. Biblically, death is separation. You're either with God or separated from God, and judgment, you know, comes in the future. Again, a worldview makes a big difference in how you live. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, those that don't believe in the resurrection, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. You know, if there's nothing in the future coming. 
If you believe there's a future, it makes a difference in the present. If you believe in transcendentalism and some of the religions involved in that, you try to live well in your lot in the present life so that you move up the ladder in your next life. Again, worldview makes a difference. But think about the people that may have died in your life that were believers in Christ. They could have a confidence that was not present, and those would not have that same hope. Is there hope? Is there any hope in our world? This life only. Naturalism, transcendentalism, reincarnation, hope I'm better off the next time. Islam cannot know destiny in advance. Paradise or perdition depends on keeping the five pillars of the faith. Biblically, through Christ, we can be with God, with Christ, and anticipate a new heaven and a new earth. Again, it affects how we live. Do we live merely for the present? Or do we live in the present in light of a future hope? Over the years... I've had some funerals for people who have committed suicide. I've known people and counseled people over the years before they committed suicide. And in some cases, well, I think in many of the cases, the bottom line is there's no hope for whatever reason. Just no hope. Again, a worldview. In Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And you can read on in chapter 21 and into chapter 22. The anticipation of a new heaven and a new earth. You ever think about what a new earth is going to be like? New heaven. Again, how we live in the present is related to our belief systems. If we have that hope in the future, we make decisions in the present in light of the future. If we don't have a hope concerning the future, then we make decisions differently in the present. Is there a standard outside of myself? Is there a standard outside of myself? Naturalism basically would say no. There's no such thing as sin, so you can take care of yourself. Transcendentalism would basically say no. Islam would say the Koran. The Koran corrected mistakes in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, along with the Gospels, corrected the mistakes there. The Koran did that. Christianity would say 
that uh, we have revelation in creation, the Mosaic law, Christ, and scripture. And that last thing on uh, missing the point of life, I gave Jerry incorrect information. That should have been on, been on a previous slide with sin. So my mistake, Jerry, not yours. How we think about how to live is determined by what we believe. Is there something beyond us, a standard outside of us, in how to live? I'm free to think as I want and do as I want. Tends to follow naturalism. It makes a difference in how you respond to problems. So you're a parent presently or when you, your kids are younger and at home. How you parented them was determined by your understanding of certain things. If you believed that there was sin, when you corrected your child, you would talk about it. And if you believe there's sin, you believe there's some standard beyond yourself. So how many times do parents say to kids, why did you do that? You don't need to ask them, you already know. They have a sinful nature. And a parent who addresses sin is different than a parent who does not address sin. But again, the worldview determines that. So a parent who says, this is what scripture says, this is what God says about how you treat your brother and sister, you're not to beat them over the head. You're to be kind to them. That's what God says. Well, I don't think there's any standard, so if you want to beat your brother and sister, but after a while that gets old. But again, our worldview deeply influences how we live. It makes a difference in how we handle relational problems. In relational problems, we tend to blame someone else. But if I recognize I battle with sin and the person that I'm having a struggle with battles with sin... When I run into a relational problem, I will step back and say, okay, God, what is this showing me about my heart, my beliefs, and how I'm responding? Am I violating what you have revealed? Am I being so demanding because I think if I get my way, everything will be fine? See, until I step back and look at my own heart, I really can't respond to the other person. Am I willing to say there's a standard outside of myself, namely God, to whom I will give an account? Let's take our Bibles and go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Romans 1 through 11, Paul presented... Sin, he presented salvation, he presents who we are in Christ, the sovereignty of God. And in chapter 12, he is kind of moving towards into how to live at our faith. And he says in verse 1 of Romans 12, Therefore, I urge you, brother, 
Brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. In light of God, what he has done, his mercies, the forgiveness, the justification, the redemption, and so on, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform. Do not take the mold of any longer the pattern of the world. And the pattern of the world is a system of thought that lets God out of the picture. He says, don't conform to that pattern, but be transformed. That is from the inside out by renewing your mind. And as we think about worldviews, there have always been various worldviews around. Transformation comes as we renew our mind, reject worldviews that are not correct in light of God, in light of Christ, in light of Scripture. We think in light of Christ, in light of God, in light of Scripture, transformation takes place. Then, when is then, as you choose to renew your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. You'll know what God says is good because you have chosen to act on it. Let's go a couple books later in the New Testament to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 are just loaded with in Christ, in Christ. Been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he gives one thing after another. And at the end of that section, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine... Let's think about that again, or read it again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Sometimes we say the Christian life is really hard. I can't do it. There's worldviews out there. How do I contend with them? Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. According to him that can do more than we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Then Paul says, now walk worthy of the Lord. The Christian walk in a world that has many worldviews is not one of tremendous difficulty, but one of allowing God to work in and through us with a power that is at work within us beyond what we can ask or imagine. 
That's why Paul can say, be humble, be gentle in verse 2 of chapter 4. That's why Paul can say, don't live any longer as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their thinking. They're darkening their understanding and so on. Because God is at work within us beyond what we can ask or comprehend. Our worldview makes a difference in how we live. So my brother's laying in the hospital, deciding he does not want any more treatment because he doesn't have a lot of time left. And the treatment is not going to help. And I can stand there and talk to him. And I can say, Orv, you're anticipating something in the future. And according to the way people die that have the cancer you have, it's probably going to be pretty painful. And you could say with confidence, I'm ready. Because there's a power at work in me beyond what I can ask or imagine. Worldview makes a difference. Christianity says, here's how to live. And here's the power to live it. So a couple questions. Think about your daily life. What worldview are you choosing when you have a choice? You say, what do you mean? What you do with television? What you do with music? What you do with radio? What you do with computer games? What you do with movies? They all have a worldview. What worldview are you choosing when you have a choice? Years ago, I would occasionally listen to some talk radio. We'll say, I'll just say talk radio and leave it at that. And I knew some other people that listened to talk radio a lot. And I noticed that they became very, very agitated and very angry and really critical of our government. And sometimes just really get loud and... I thought, what in the world is going on? And then I found as I, what little talk radio I might listen to, even for a couple minutes, and I think, no, they were making me uncomfortable with our government. You know, we need a new president, and this is wrong, and that's wrong. See, the worldview was coming through. It was affecting my spirit. We were on a more extended trip. I said to Ruth Ann one day, I'm going to turn on the radio for a little bit, listen to, and little talk radio. And she said, honey... I can only take so much of that man. (laughs) And we listened a couple minutes and she said, that's enough. And I said, that's enough. A worldview is coming through. So my question is, what do we choose? What worldview do we choose when we are making a choice? Do you desire a biblical or unbiblical? or unbiblical worldview when it comes to intake that you have in life.
Why? And again, in terms of what you listen to, what you play, and so on. Worldview does come through. How does your worldview influence those of you who are making a college decision or maybe some career decision? How does your worldview influence your decision? How does your worldview influence watching TV, music, listening to music? Again, I'm not saying what's right or wrong. I'm just saying, think about worldview and how it influences how you respond. How does it influence your use of technology, games you might play because of technology we have today, your use of Facebook? I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm just saying, how does your worldview influence that? Years ago, when I was in college, one of the profs said, when you get out in ministry and you're a pastor, there's some nevers. And people say sometimes, never say never, you know, and so on. And the prof went on to say, never confront someone in any way, shape, or form, other than face-to-face. Never rebuke, never seek to correct, other than face-to-face. I remember that. Where did that come from? A worldview of a creator God, who is Trinity, who in eternity past... God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit communicated face-to-face. We're created in His image, especially when you're dealing with a problem, communicate face-to-face. And I'm not saying phones and Facebook are wrong. That's not my point. But His counsel came from a worldview. Stop and think about what a non-face-to-face worldview, or I'm sorry, communication will do if that's all you use. If you communicate as a family only via texting and Facebook, what kind of relationship are you going to have? And again, I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying worldview influences you know, communication and how we live. Our worldview should help us to live well in a world that is full of technology. What am I doing here? Going backwards. Some applications. The biblical worldview is coherent. That is, it makes sense of life and the world in which we live. No other worldview provides a good explanation of reality the world in which we live. It goes back to God as creator, he is sustainer. So having him as a core of a worldview makes sense of what he created. Another application in parenting, address the heart, not mere action. 
because there's sin involved in the attitude, the thinking, and the belief. Again, that's a worldview. How we parent, how we respond when our children disobey. Will you passionately pursue a biblical worldview? I would encourage you to guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. What you take in, the worldviews that you take in when you have a choice, make a difference in how you live. There's an older man that I know who, when he was younger, attempted to respect and obey his parents. He had a healthy respect and fear of his mom and dad. And I use fear in a good way. He deeply respected older people. He learned and delighted in spending time with older people when he was a teenager. And he learned when he was around older people to zip the lip and to listen. He was drafted into the military during the Vietnam era. He ended up doing some time in Vietnam. When he was in the service, he respected those in authority over him, fought to the best of his ability. And even though he had some disagreements with the government and how they were handling the Vietnam War, he submitted to those in authority over him. He got out of the military and got a job. number of jobs over the years, he worked hard. He attempted to have joy in his work. He attempted to do it well. You get criticized for that sometimes because people said, don't do it quite so well. He taught his children, even though his children did not always respond to him. Oh, his children are not walking with God today, but he was faithful in seeking to teach and train and correct them, seeking to have an influence on his grandchildren today, seeking to influence them for God. Some of the grandchildren are sensitive and some are not. Because of some suffering he has been through and those in his family have been through, he has chosen to accept that. But at times there was tremendous battle. I hate this God. He wanted to back off, but he nevertheless accepted it. As an older man, as older people invested in his life when he was younger, he is investing in the lives of younger people today. His life goes back to his worldview. A biblical worldview. Will you passionately pursue a biblical worldview? Let's sing together as Travis comes to lead us.